Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The aftermath of the Bank of Canada's decision to hold rates, they did it for the second time in a row. So we just just discussed a kind of a little bit of a stabilizing with mortgages. What about renters? Uh, Not such great news. New study that is telling us that if you're a renter and you've just thrown your hands up in the air, you got to do a few more things. Joining me is Jillian Kennedy with Mercer Canada. Hi there. Yeah, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. You know, we know there's a ton of fallout from all the difficulties from mortgages, cost of living, cost of housing, and now some information about just how this is going to impact those renters who have given up. And I started with that because we know there are many people, and I know them, who just say, look, uh, I don't think this is going to be possible. I'm a renter for life. How tough is it going to be when they retire? So based on a Mercer study, we, you know, put some assumptions together. It's important for us to have, you know, two personas, as you've mentioned, a renter and a homeowner, and take a look at what is the impact when they retire. And they, what we found is, is, a, is a couple of things. First of all, the millennial renter would actually not be able to retire with the same pre-retirement income as the homeowner until age 68, whereas the homeowner can actually plan to retire at age 65. Um, so that's that's a pretty big difference if there are are people out there who are thinking, you know, to work to age 68, that, that's a lot longer than I think most people would think they would work to. But also that that renter would need to save 50% more um, in order to be able to have the same quality um, of living within retirement. We measured that based on 69% of pre-retirement income. And it, it really is kind of taking a look at the combination of government benefits, as well as just personal um, income to pay yourself in retirement. Okay, where do you where do you put all the money in the slots? If somebody owns a house, is this about them selling it or living in it? And because they own it, they don't have as many expenses. So we wanted to keep the the study simple. We also wanted to use Canadian averages. We want to create a baseline so we can start to discuss, you know, what does this mean and how you know this could be impacted with different types of outliers. Um, so very, very basically, we assume that both were exactly starting at the same place, starting to save at age 25, both had the same level of income. Um, and then we we layered in some Canadian averages. So we assumed that the home owner would be spending $500,000 for their first home. That's the Canadian Real Estate Association average for the first home. Um, and that the renter would be paying $2,000 a month. Um, we basically um, then just simply simply ran that through and uh, arrived at that income replacement, including government benefits. So there are, are some simple assumptions that assume that, you know, when that person gets into retirement, that that home is being used as equity. Um, so yes, that their home would be paid for. I mean, you could absolutely say that that might not be the case, but here's what's really important about our study. It, it What we found is that the homeowner can use that home as equity and has more flexibility in retirement. 
So if you think about the traditional kind of three-legged stool in retirement, you're going to get sources of retirement income from government benefits, like our Canada Pension Plan, Quebec Pension Plan, and other supplements, Mm -hmm. personal savings, and equity. And your home is such a big part of that equity. And so even if you haven't fully paid off your home, you still have the ability to use it as equity. So whether it's a reverse mortgage, renting out your basement, taking a look at, you know, renting it out for part-time, like it still is a tool that allows the flexibility to be able to afford what you want to and to draw upon it when you need to. Yeah, we know that renters are more vulnerable, but, you know, I know people who've retired recently and they're in a shaky situation. They planned all this for a long time. They sold their house and now all of a sudden, even the rents are, are much more... Uh, vulnerable for them. They're going up. They can not rely on even the rent staying the same. So the situation is getting more and more shaky for renters as we deal with all these new realities. And we would completely agree with that. In fact, that's why we've been watching the millennial generation so closely. They're not going to get the same level of investment returns as other generations have been able to enjoy with compounding mm-hmm. interest that makes such a big impact on, you know, I save so much money, but, you know, 20 years from now, it's worth so much more, but also the cost of living and how this cost of living will continue to increase. And I think that you've really kind of touched on something that creates um, instability for retirees, right? And so if I'm, if I'm trying to keep up with the cost of living, including my rent, if rent keeps going up, right? What will happen? Well, what will happen is, is that the things that I want to do in retirement will need to move into things I have to do in retirement, which is being able to pay for shelter, food and keeping the lights on. Right. And that can lead to, um, you know, feelings of isolation, feelings of, you know, um, you know, mental health issues. It really just kind of deteriorates the quality of that person's life. Julianne, I'm glad that you brought that up because the people that I know, they're really blindsided by this. This is what people did in their communities, especially in small town communities. They had no idea that this situation would change. We saw what happened in the pandemic and everybody started to migrate. But there's going to be a massive fallout of those who are following a template of those who've gone before them. And now they're actually frightened for the first time in their life. They've owned a house, but now they're they're frightened that their rent is going to go up. And it is. And in some places, there's no protection for them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a, a very big challenge. I think that um, affordability and retirement is not discussed enough. Um, and I think that I think the other thing that you've touched on that is super important is that we need to start to disrupt and challenge what we think is traditional milestones, either on the way to retirement or into retirement. Right. Take that millennial who's who's told, hey, you go to a really good school, you get a great education, mm-hmm. you get a good job. And you're, that's all you need to do. And then you'll have your home, you'll have your family, you'll enjoy work, you'll go to retirement. And then when you're in retirement, you're just going to enjoy this lovely vacation and you get to do all the things that you couldn't do while you were working. And that really is something that I think for years and years and years we've been selling um, to, to the average Canadian. And I think we really have to like challenge that at this time. Um, both while you're saving, we know that that's not going to work anymore, but also in retirement, you know, we have seen a lot more people have to go back to work in retirement mm-hmm. when they didn't expect to. And we've also seen situations where, where people have been, you know, uh, you know, in situations where they are having to get care 
um, for themselves in retirement and not realizing the cost for that care or what that would look like for them as far as how it reduces the amount of income that they have to spend. So what's the solution? I mean, people have to be aware of this. You know, renters right now, and I know people who've given up and they're in their 30s and they say, okay, I'm just going to try to save more money. I'm going to invest in things. But as you say, I mean, owning a home for the most part is a guaranteed hunk of money at the end of the game. Maybe not so for investors and they are aware of just how much they have to put aside. That's yeah. So we we definitely saw. So first of all, I want to say this is a point in time study and it could get worse. It could get better. But what's really important is we wanted to get this out there so we can start talking about it because there is time to do things differently. Um, so one of the things that we we also have information on is that the um, the millennial generation, you know, generally um, has access to workplace programs. Now, either those workplace programs could be a situation where I'm putting money in and my company's matching that, so I'm doubling my savings, or I'm getting access to really low-cost investment funds because of the pooling power of everyone in my company saving together. Um, And we tend to find that this generation is the generation that has a lot of competing priorities, and it's very difficult to say, I'm going to give up some of that money and I'm going to put it over here for what might be something that's 20 years away and instead they want to use it right now. And so I think it's really, really important to say, you know, of those priorities, make sure that some of that is going towards your long-term financial security, even if it feels like um, this is something that you can't prioritize. And then I think the call to the marketplace would be, how do we give this generation more flexibility so that they can get something from an employer, but not have to give up access to the money when they need it? Yeah. Um, You mentioned employers and we know that, mm -hmm. you know, many years ago, people relied on employee pensions and then they've gone the way of the dodo bird. Uh, The new kind of impetus that employers can give, is that something that's catching on? Yes. So what we're starting to see catch on quite a lot, and I think this is coming on the heels of, you know, what I would refer to as the wellness era that's continuing, right? We saw, especially during the pandemic, a renewed focus on supporting physical um, and mental health initiatives in a workplace. And now what we're starting to see is a focus on financial well-being, right? And so I think that we'll we'll see, you know, programs starting to come into a workplace that's going to be more realistic, things like supporting debt repayment, uh, more financial literacy, access to information that employees can trust, maybe even things like financial counseling and advice. And I think that these are so key to empowering and giving back the control to this generation. Yeah. And do they get it now? Do you think that this message is going through or is there going to have to be some big campaign to sit down and explain? And let's face it, it's bad news. So I I think that there is a combination of um, I I, I get it, but (laughs) I still don't know if it's realistic for me to do it. Right. And so that's why I think there needs to be a call into the marketplace to say, you know, this generation needs more flexibility than any other generation has needed, and they're going to need the support, right? So let's take the workplace retirement program as an mm-hmm. example. This, this, this generation is not going to take hard-earned money off of their pay and have it be locked in or restricted while they're employed and not mm-hmm. be able to touch it, right? So how do we f- provide that flexibility to them? Um, I think it also matters, you know, flexibility of, okay, I'm, if I'm not working, I have to take a parental leave, a caregiving leave, 
if I have to reprioritize things in my workplace and have reduced working hours. They want access. They want access to the money. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, let me ask you, what about those who have this rude awakening here? Those who've, who have said following a plan that their parents did and their aunts and their uncles in big cities and even small town all across our country now are looking around and saying things are changed. Who's to help them? So, so I think, again, the financial wellness piece is important. I, I, I think we do absolutely find that this, um, the, there is this kind of feeling of, of you know, uh, fear, paralyzation. I can't do it. I can't go forward. It's very similar, again, to the health story. We all know what we need to do to be healthy. But on the financial side, I think it's, it's more difficult for people to be disciplined about it. But I, I also have to say, in, in, you know, looking at the research for this generation, mm-hmm. there is some resiliency here. Right. And I think that this this generation more than others will adapt and they'll come up with different ways of home ownership or different ways of thinking about working um, that I think every generation can learn from. Like very, very quickly, something like, you know, home ownership in sharing a home. Right. Um, or this whole kind of, you know, kind of um, generation of, of working and traveling and, and, and living, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. doing that so you can work longer. So there I think there is some resiliency here that will will absolutely spill into future generations. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.